Could we turn, please, to Isaiah chapter 53? Isaiah chapter 53. We're beginning at verse number 4. So, chapter 53 of Isaiah and verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs, And carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And one more reading, please. It's from Paul's epistle to the Romans. So Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're going to read the first five verses and then we will move down to the end of the chapter. I say then, hath God cast away his people God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not, or know ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias, or Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, could we move down to verse 25, please? The 25th verse of Romans chapter 11. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. 
For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their own belief. Even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. O oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out! For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counsellor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for the joy of being here today and to sing These beautiful hymns that have been such a blessing to us, not only this morning, but down through the years. We thank you, Lord, for the joy of reading your word together, the precious, inspired word of the living God. And we thank you, Lord, just for the joy of being in your house today and just to be able to listen to the still small voice of your spirit as he speaks to us through the scriptures And we pray that the Holy Spirit will come now and help us to understand the Word of God. And that he will teach us precious truths about Israel and most of all about our wonderful Saviour, the Holy One of Israel. For it's in the Saviour's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this great text of Scripture, Romans chapter 11 verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. This chapter that Paul is writing here, Romans chapter 11, it's a chapter that deals with Israel. In fact, there are three chapters in this section that deal with Israel and the Jewish people. Romans chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11. But what does this text of scripture mean? For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Well, it just means that God has not changed his mind about Israel. God has not repented about Israel, his chosen people. He hasn't changed his mind. You see, the Lord has made an everlasting covenant with the Jews. And it's everlasting. And that word's self-explanatory. It's not temporary. It's not just for a certain length of time. No, it's forever. Some people say, oh, well, the Lord has changed his mind about Israel. And all the Lord's interested now is the church, us Gentiles in the West. Well, that's heresy. Scripture teaches that the Lord has not changed his mind about Israel. His ancient people, if you go back there to the beginning of Romans chapter 11, look at the very first verse. Romans 11 verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. And then verse 2. God hath not cast away his people which he 
for new. He hasn't repented. He hasn't changed his mind about the everlasting covenant that he made with Abraham. And by the way, we'll look more at that tonight. If you're able to come, Genesis chapter 12, the everlasting covenant that the Lord made with Abraham. Psalm 105 is a really important scripture that speaks of this everlasting covenant. If you would like to turn to Psalm 105, we're reading from verses 8 to 10. Psalm 105, verse 8, it's on page 645 in the Pew Bible. Psalm 105, verse 8, He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Now you may be asking, what covenant is this that the psalmist is referring to? Well, verse 9, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. I think that's as clear as you can get. The Lord has made an everlasting covenant with his chosen people. And of course today in certain circles you have what's known as replacement theology. You've got to be wary of it. Be very careful today about a belief called replacement theology. In other words, we Gentiles in the church have replaced Israel. The church has replaced Israel. And the argument goes, oh, Israel has forfeited uh, God's blessings because of its disobedience. And so the blessings now come to us Gentiles in the church of Christ. Well, it's, it's rubbish, it's bunkum. Do you not think that the church has disobeyed the Lord as well? Is there any one of us that could stand up today and say, Lord, I've never let you down. I've never failed you. What terrible arrogance to say that Israel has disobeyed God and to pretend that we have never disobeyed God as the church in Ulster. Oh, don't get me started. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to try very hard. There's lots of things that I'd like to say. But please be careful of this heresy called replacement theology. I want to tell you that people have said some awful things about the Jews and how the Lord has turned away from them. Remember hearing of a reformed preacher who went to Jerusalem above all places. And you know how in the Old Testament there in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord speaks about Mount Ebal and Mount Mount Gerizim. And on one mountain the curses were pronounced, on the other mountain the blessings were pronounced. And this particular preacher, he went to Jerusalem and he said, all the curses are now upon Israel. All the curses are upon the nation of Israel. All the blessings are upon the church. We'll talk about an awful thing to say, but especially in Jerusalem. Well, of course, what he said was untrue. It's not, it's it's unscriptural. The curses are not on Israel. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that the Lord has a great future for his chosen people, for the Jews. 
We read that lovely verse in Romans chapter 11, verse 26. All Israel shall be saved. All Israel shall be saved. You see, Paul is not saying here, well, every Jew who has ever lived is going to be saved and going to be in heaven. That's not what he's saying. Paul is speaking here about the end of the great tribulation. The Jews that are left alive will turn to Christ. They'll all turn to their Messiah in repentance and faith. You see, during the great tribulation, sadly, two-thirds of the Jews will be purged. That's what the prophet Zechariah tells us. Two-thirds of the people will be, will be purged. It's sad, you know, to think about so many secular Jews today in Israel. Do you know that one of the biggest pride parades is in Tel Aviv in Israel? They say that 10% of the Jewish people in Israel are religious. The other 90% are secular. So sad. But thank God there's coming a day when they will turn to the Lord. Just as we who are saved have turned to him and been saved by grace. So there's coming a great day. Paul describes it. He says, all Israel shall be saved. Yes, there'll be the judgment upon the rebellious Jews during the tribulation. And my, you can see, you can see that spirit today even turning against the Jews. You just have to think about the, the ruling that was handed down by the International Court of Justice the other day. Wasn't it scandalous what they said about Israel and upheld South Africa's disgraceful accusation? But we can see the world turning against Israel, even today. But thank God the Lord is going to preserve a third of his ancient people. And they're all going to turn to Christ. Every Jew that will be left alive at the end of the great tribulation will turn to the Savior. They'll all be saved, Paul says. You know, Zechariah chapter 12 gives us a wonderful description of what Paul's referring to. All Israel will be saved. Turn for a moment to Zechariah chapter 12. So it's toward the end of the Old Testament. It's the prophecy of Zechariah. And it's chapter 12. In verse 10, we need to go down to verse 10. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. And I will, I beg your pardon, it's page 954 for any who are using the Pew Bible. 954. Verse 10 of Zechariah 12, the word of God says, Now this is the Lord Jesus Christ who is speaking. This is the Messiah who's speaking. He says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his 
firstborn. And then if you go to chapter 13 and verse 1, look at this amazing verse. In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. My, here we have a wonderful picture of the Jewish people broken hearted over their rejection of the Messiah, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. And as soon as they turn to him, we find that there's a fountain opened here for them. There's a cleansing fountain, and of course, that cleansing fountain speaks of the blood of Christ. And this cleansing fountain that has been available to them Ever since Christ was crucified, now at the end of the great tribulation, they turn to the Savior and every one of the Jews is cleansed in the precious blood of Jesus. And all Israel shall be saved. What a wonderful time this will be. Isn't this what we pray for? Don't we pray for the conversion of the Jews? My, you have great men in history, in church history, like Jonathan Edwards, John Calvin. Men like that who said, the Jews will be converted. Puritans, I could mention Puritans today, who said the Jews will be restored to their native land and will turn in repentance to Christ. They didn't believe in replacement theology. And you know, what's, you know what's most wonderful about the Jews turning to Christ at the end of the Great Tribulation? Do you know what their confession is going to be? Isaiah 53. We read Isaiah chapter 53 earlier. And this is going to be the great confession of the, the Jews who will be converted at the end of the Tribulation. Listen again. The wonderful words of Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. The Lord Jesus, in the midst of all his suffering and agony... As he endured the reproach of the soldiers, the reproach of the Jewish mob. And as he went to Calvary, he opened not his mouth. Did you ever wonder why the Savior didn't open his mouth? Did you ever wonder why Christ didn't speak? I mean, we, our first reaction, if we're accused in the wrong, our first reaction is to speak and to defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves. Not Christ. He didn't open his mouth. You know, you know, there's a verse in Romans chapter 3 and it unlocks this wonderful verse in Isaiah 53. Why did the Lord Jesus not open his mouth? Well, in Romans 3, Paul says that, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. And in Isaiah 53, it's as if the Lord Jesus is taking the guilt of the world upon himself 
Therefore, his mouth is stopped. Oh, he's not guilty. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's spotless. He's holy. But he became the sin bearer for you and for me. And he opened not his mouth. He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was numbered with the transgressors. Now there's a reason why I've read these phrases and verses from Isaiah 53 today. Did you notice the little word was? He was wounded. He was bruised. He was oppressed. He was cut off. He was numbered. Was, was, was. Whenever all Israel shall be saved, whenever the Jews turn to Christ at the end of the tribulation, they're going to cry, he was. He was wounded back at Calvary. He was bruised. He he was oppressed. He was cut off. He was numbered. He was stricken. Can you see the Jews at the end of the great tribulation and they're looking back to Calvary and they're crying out this great confession. Isaiah 53 has become their confession. Was, was, was. You see, some people say, well, Isaiah 53 is a prophecy um, of the Lord Jesus coming and dying at Calvary. Well, we know, of course it is. But strictly speaking... If it was a prophecy, it would say he will be wounded, he will be bruised, he will be oppressed, he will be numbered, he will be cut off, he will be stricken. Do you get where I'm coming from? The tense is all to do with the tense. But Isaiah 53 is in the past tense. And the simple reason for that is that the Jews are looking back to the past, to an old rugged cross. On a hill called Mount Calvary, where their Messiah bled and died. All Israel shall be saved. In spite of that ICJ ruling the other day, God is for Israel. Yes, they, those judges who made that ruling, they may be against Israel, but God is for Israel, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, as we come to the end of our meeting this morning, God has a great future, a great plan for the Jewish people. Do you know Charles Wesley wrote a wonderful hymn about the Jewish people? It's a wonderful hymn, more of a prayer than a hymn. And Charles Wesley in this hymn prays for the conversion of the Jews. Listen to some of the words from the hymn. Oh, that the chosen band might now their brethren bring and gathered out of every land present to Zion's king. Of all the ancient race, not one be left behind 
but each impelled by secret grace his way to Canaan find. We know it must be done, for God hath spoke the word. All Israel shall the Saviour own, to their first state restored. Rebuilt by his command, Jerusalem shall rise, her temple on Moriah stand again and touch the skies. Send then thy servants forth to call the Hebrews home from east and west and south and north. Let all the wanderers come where'er in lands unknown the fugitives remain. Bid every creature help them on thy holy mount to gain an offering to their God, there let them all be seen, sprinkled with water and with blood, in soul and body clean, with Israel's myriad sealed, let all the nations meet, and show the mystery fulfilled, thy family complete. Wonderful words from the sweet hymn writer of Methodism, as he longed for the conversion of the Lord's chosen people. Shall we pray? Our loving Father, we would add our prayers to the prayers of Charles Wesley for your ancient people, that the veil may be taken away, that the blindness may be taken away, and that they may turn to their Messiah. We do long for that day whenever Isaiah 53 will become their confession. O Lord, we ask that you will answer prayer. Gather in the lost sheep of the house of Israel, even today, on this solemn day. For we pray in our Saviour's name. Amen. We're going to have the 121st Psalm, Psalm 121, as we close our service. It's hymn number 428, based upon Psalm 121. And we're standing to sing. Let's stand. <laughs> <laughs> 